0: If you have your Bibles, we're going to be jumping around a few places, but we're going to start in Ephesians 2, and then in two weeks, we'll be back in here, and we're going to continue studying the book of Ephesians together. This is our last sermon in our Fixer Upper series. We've been spending the first five weeks of January of 2019 and the first five weeks of the year talking about what it means to grow spiritually. And we've talked about Bible reading, we've talked about prayer, fasting, giving, this morning, we're talking about a fifth spiritual discipline. And then next week is actually kind of a part of this series as well, because it's the idea of serving and mission and getting into the community and realizing that the four walls or the four pipe and drape walls, uh, this you know people may come here, but really we're also called to go out where they are as well. A couple of years ago, there was a school in Chicago, an academically focused school that had to cancel its football program. They had to cancel the football program because uh, it takes 22 players, according to the Chicago public school system, to field a varsity football team. And with three games left in the season, there were not enough players. The principal said that due to injuries and academic ineligibility, that 22-team roster had been reduced to 19. Three players were no longer able to play, making the football team ineligible for the league they were in and thereby canceling the football season and, in fact, the entire program. This entire season for this football team was decided by just three players not being able to play. There were 87%, if you do the math, 87% of the players were still able to play, and only 13% had dropped out for one reason or another. It's not like the number was huge, but it was a a number that needed to be met in order for the team to participate. You know, a team is is a group of people committed to a specific goal according to a specific set of rules. This team had not met the ability to play by the rules of the league they were in. In a similar way, God has designed Christian faith and following Jesus to be a team sport. Being a Christian is a lot more like being part of a team than it is like having a personal hobby. Uh, being a Christian means being committed to a community of other Christians who are committed to a specific goal, according to specific principles. A Christian who some is someone we, we say it, the way we say it here sometimes is who experiences life. Like God intended, by engaging with God in wholehearted worship through the cross of Jesus Christ, who engages with others in authentic community, and then together as a part of that community, goes and, and mobilizes together for the purpose of God's mission in the world. One of the things we value as Cross United Church is authentic community real community, real people getting involved in the lives of one another. You know, when God created the world, He made a man. And he he said one thing about this man, he said a number of things, but one thing he said about this man was it was not good for this man to be alone. Now, in the context there, he's talking about creating a a mate for the man, a wife for the man, and and creating the unit of marriage and the, the institution of marriage and the family, but there's a principle there as well. We are not designed to live life alone. We're not designed to live life alone. We're not designed to follow Jesus alone. Now, we talked about this throughout the Fixer Upper series, ways to grow spiritually. We talked about reading the Bible and following uh, a, a, a specific and intentional Bible reading plan. Our church is doing the F260 Bible reading plan together. It's never too late to get caught up. It's five days a week, one or two chapters a day, from Genesis to Revelation, one year, um I'm actually a little behind. I'm I'm I should be uh, on day 23 or 24 and I'm only on day tw- I just finished day 22. It's never too late to get started. Reading the Bible for yourself is a foundational practice for growing spiritually. On top of that, reading the Bible should be coupled with prayer and seeking God, praying his words back to him, turning the scripture into words for our prayers. Then we talked about fasting and abstaining from food for a spiritual purpose. We talked about giving and the way that shapes us into the image of Jesus. And as we've looked at each of those things, you could almost get the idea that it's possible to be a healthy and growing Christian by yourself. Because you could, by yourself, in your favorite chair at your house or on your patio or wherever it may be that you like to be, you could read the Bible, pray fast, and even if you go to crossunited.org and click give, you could even give all by yourself. And you could think that that is possible, that it's possible to be a healthy and growing Christian by yourself, but the the reality is it is not possible. That community is the glue that binds these things together. It's the amplification factor in our lives that makes these things really take root in our hearts and in our lives. It multiplies the impact of Bible reading, prayer, fasting, and giving when it's part of a community trying to build your life spiritually, renovation, spiritual renovation, is like trying to build a house single-handedly. You can start, you can do a little bit, you might be able to do a lot, but at some point, you're going to have to have someone help you lift something heavy that you can't do by yourself. It's impossible. There are certain things that you cannot do alone, and being a Christian is one of them. You can't renovate your spiritual life. You can't grow spiritually. You can't follow Jesus alone. So here's my goal for you this morning, is to show you from the Bible the what, the where, the why, and the how of Christian community. What is Christian community? Where is Christian community? How, or excuse me, why should you care about Christian community? And then how can you connect to Christian community? So there we're going to start in Ephesians 2. Before we do that, let's just pray and ask for God's help together. Father in heaven, I just ask that you would enter into this moment as we look together at a number of scriptures, as we look at the what of Christian community, the where, the why, and the how, Lord, that you would just help us, that you would use this morning to cultivate a culture of authentic community in Cross United Church, that we would connect to you and to one another. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. What is Christian community? Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. I'm not going to read the whole passage, um, but Ephesians 2, 11 through 22 is one of the most influential passages in my life and in the vision for our church. It talks about God bringing people to himself through the cross and bringing people together across lines of difference. See, Christian community is different than community in general. Community in general is good and critical for human well-being. Any, a, 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 a regular community is any group of people who are connected to each other, either by proximity or by location, or by affinity, or by mutual interest. So you can talk about the south florida community or the lighthouse point community or the deerfield beach community or the coral springs community or the boca raton community and you can also talk about the surfer community or the biker community because these are these are people who are connected either by proximity and location or by affinity that is mutual interest and this is critical in the life of a person there was a study done in england recently that showed That people who are connected to community, there was an empirical study done that hospitalizations drop dramatically with one simple change. People who are alone being connected to a community. That hospitalizations drop dramatically when people have other people in their life, friends and a community around them. This is how we're designed. We're designed for other people. And I think this is one of the most compelling things about the Christian story. And one of the most compelling things, if you maybe haven't been in church in a long time, or, or maybe you, you're, you're not really sure about Christianity, you're not really sure what you think about God and, and faith, one of the most compelling things to me about the Christian story and about Christian faith is the Christian community that gathers together across lines of ethnic difference and generational difference. There's not many other places where you can go and old people and young people can hang out or... Different people who have a lot of money and others who have less money can hang out or people who are Republicans and Democrats can hang out. You may pass each other in the aisles at Publix. You may see each other in the street, but to truly connect to one another in relationship doesn't happen very often in very many places, but it does happen in the church because Christian community is different than regular community. We're not defined by location or proximity, we're not defined by affinity or, or mutual interest. We are defined by theology. We're defined by the cross. Look at Ephesians two, thirteen. Now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who made both groups, Jews and Gentiles, one, and tore down the dividing wall of hostility in his flesh, that is, when he was crucified, he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, making peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both Jews and Gentiles to God in one body through the cross. Ephesians 2 teaches that the cross of Christ brings people to God and it brings people together. This is the beauty and the uniqueness of the Christian gospel, that it reconciles us to God and it reconciles us to one another. And when it reconciles us to God, we become committed to God in a relationship with Him through Jesus Christ as we turn away from our sins and trust in Him for forgiveness. And we become committed to one another as we realize that we have something in common that's bigger and deeper and and, and more profound than anything that would potentially divide us, and that is the cross of Christ. This mutual commitment in the Bible has a very specific word for it. It's called a covenant. It's more than a contract. It's more than even just a commitment. It is a mutually binding relationship between us and God and between us and one another. See, the Bible teaches that, that God created us. He made us good. He made the world good. But we rejected Him and we ran away. We, we turned away from God and His way and His, his rules and His statutes and His... His presence, and we said we want to do things our own way. And running away from God and doing things our own way and disobeying God, the Bible has a word for that, and that word is sin. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and that we all are born from, from the moment we're born, and in fact, the moment we're conceived, from, from the factory, we are wired to run away from God because we have sin in our heart. And the only way that sin can be dealt with is through death but because God loved us and he didn't want us to die and be separated from him for life and for eternity, he sent his one and only son. And God the Father sent God the Son. And God the Son, Jesus Christ, came and he lived a perfect life and he obeyed God and he never ran away from God. He always ran to God. He never turned his back on God, but he always faced God. He never rejected God. He always heard God and obeyed God and embraced God, his Father. But then he was rejected by people even though he never rejected the lord he was rejected by those who should have embraced him and he he was crucified and he was buried and he was raised from the dead and the bible says that anyone who will turn from their sin turn away from turning away will reject their rejection of god and turn toward jesus in repentance and faith and trust him for forgiveness will be given new life and when the Bible says when, when we do that, when we, when we turn to God, we never turn to God alone. We turn to God alone, and we are embraced into the community of His love. We're not just brought to the Father. We're brought into the Father's family as well. Another way to say this is that Christian community is a diverse group of people who are committed to God in worship and committed to each other in community and mission, that then we want to share, we want to bring others into this new life that we've found. Part of Christian community is openness. It's being welcoming of new friends. I don't know if you ever watch the old Seinfelds, the original uh, Seinfeld. The, the early seasons are, are usually bookended by him doing stand-up at the beginning and at the end of the show. And there's this one where he's, he's saying, when you're in your 30s, It's really hard to make a new friend, and I wish I could do his voice, and you could just hear him. Just listen in the Jerry Seinfeld voice as I speak to you. Whatever the group is that you've got now, that's the one you're going with. You're not interviewing. You're not looking at seeing any new applications. They don't know the places. They don't know the activities. If I meet a guy in a club or at the gym, I tell him, I'm sure you're a very nice person. You seem to have a lot of potential, but we're just not hiring right now. Of course, when you're a kid... You can be friends with anybody. Remember being a little kid? What were the qualifications for becoming friends? If someone's in front of my house now, that person is my friend. That's it. Are you a grown-up? No. Great. Come on in. If you have anything in common at all, you like cherry soda? I like cherry soda. We'll be best friends. The Bible says, Jesus says, that we have to approach God in childlike faith. And I wonder if part of childlike faith, and I believe that part of childlike faith is childlike friend-making. Being open and willing to accept new people into the community of our relationships and in the network of our relationships. Being open to friendship and relationships with people who might be different than we are. What is Christian community? It's people who are brought to God and brought together through the cross. Number two, where is Christian community? Where is Christian community? Hebrews 12, through 24. Hebrews 12, 22 through 24. If you are uh, using uh, the CSB is the version I'm reading from, by the way, if you're, if you're interested in that, if you're using your app or your, your uh, text copy of, of the Bible, Hebrews 12, 22 says, Instead, you have come to Mount Zion. He's talking to Christians uh, and, and their gathering. He says, To the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to myriads of angels, a festive gathering, Hebrews 12, 23, to the assembly, literally, to the church of the firstborn whose names have been written in heaven, to a judge who is God of all, to the spirits of righteous people made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. Where is Christian community? The basic unit of Christian community and the basic location of Christian community is right here in the local church. Hebrews 12, 22 through 24 shows us that the church is the place where Earth is, is there's a portal on earth that is opened into heaven. And we experience, in a very real way, a piece of heaven on earth. The Bible talks about the church in two ways. It talks about the universal church. That's every Christian who, who's alive right now, and, and more broadly, every Christian from every place and every time who's ever lived. The capital C church, sometimes you say. And then it also talks about the local church. That's a specific expression of God's people in a a specific place at a specific time. So Cross United Church at 1130 a.m. is the, the expression of God's church in Lighthouse Point in 2019. What's interesting is that the word church appears 114 times in the New Testament. And three quarters of the time, it refers to the local Church. It's impossible to be a part of the universal church and not be a part of the local church. Just like being a part of the human family without being part of a nuclear family, we call that a tragedy. What do we call that? We call that an orphan, someone who's part of the human family but doesn't have a nuclear family we, that, that, we call that a tragedy, and it breaks our hearts because it's not the way it's supposed to be. And in the same way, a Christian who is a part of the universal church but is not part of the local church is living like a spiritual orphan. So where is Christian community? It's wherever the local church gathers around the gospel of Jesus Christ. So for us, it's usually here, Sundays at 11.30 a.m. Now, next week, it won't be here, Sunday at 11.30 a.m. If you show up, the, the church is going to be at Frank McDonough Park, uh, next week at, at 11.30 a.m. We're, now, as a church, we're at a size where it's really easy to meet people. Like, it's really easy to find someone and, and say hello to them and, and to feel like, you know, you're here and you're seen. It's, it's kind of hard to hide. You can sort of hide a little bit. But, you know, it's pretty obvious you're here, right? Like, it's, it's hard to just melt into the crowd. But even at our size, it's easy to come and go and not get connected. And as we grow, it will be harder and harder to come and to go and to stay connected. If you want to be part of community in the church, you need to be part of the local churches that gathers in in worship whenever time and place that it meets. But you also need to take advantage of opportunities to be a part of smaller expressions and communities where you can really get to know people. So here's, here's... Here's what I want you to do. I I mentioned the connection card. I want you to take that connection card and I want you to think about this. I want you to think about your level of connection with other believers and your level of connection to Christian community and I want you to write on the back of that card some days and some times that you might be able to be a part of a smaller community and I want, if you're interested in becoming a part of a smaller community, one thing we wanna try to do is we wanna try to create and open up opportunities for you if you're not part of a smaller community to get connected to a smaller community. And maybe starting, maybe starting some more community groups, we're gonna start another ladies Bible study in the spring, maybe the men's Bible study. And so what I want you to do is I want you, if you feel like this is an important thing, I want you to take that second box on your connection card and say, I will connect to community, all right? And on the back, I want you to write community group, men's Bible study or women's Bible study, and I want you to write two days and times that work for you. Maybe it's Thursdays at 6.30 a.m. Oh, that's perfect. We have a men's Bible study already, Thursdays at 6.30 a.m. But I want you to think about that and I want you to, to consider the importance of connecting to a smaller expression of community. There's been some research shown, this is from a, a book um, by a, a guy named David Murray, and he, he, he makes the point that uh, studies have shown that connecting to a group that meets at least once a month can change your level of happiness as much as doubling your income. And so it, this is... You know, being here is absolutely critical on Sunday morning, but it's also critical to be a part of a smaller expression of community. Now, now that I've said that, you may be thinking, maybe, maybe not, I'm not sure. I'm gonna pretend like I'm writing something because everyone's looking, seeing. I'm just gonna pretend. Here's the third thing. I wanna convince you why Christian community matters. Why does Christian community matter? Number one, Christian community allows you to obey Jesus. John 13, 34, and 35. Jesus says, by this the world will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Jesus says you have to love one another. Part of being a Christian means you love one another. If you believe that God the Father sent God the Son to forgive you of your sin, if you believe that you have received new life. And you if you have been changed by the love of God, then you will want to follow him and obey him. And you can't obey Jesus by yourself. It's impossible. It is impossible to be a faithful Christian by yourself. Because there are dozens of times in the Bible where the Bible and Jesus commands you to love or to serve or to be a part of something that involves other people. John 13 and I'm going to just rapid fire these you may not be able to write them all down but that's you know just 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 try to listen and get the sense of this. John 1334 and 35. You can't love one another by yourself. Romans 14:19 says to build one another up. You can't build one another up by yourself. Romans 15:17 says to welcome one another. You can't welcome one another by yourself. First Corinthians 12.25 says care for one another. You can't care for one another by yourself. Galatians 5.13 says serve one another. You can't serve one another by yourself. You can't submit to one another by yourself. You can't consider others more important than yourself by yourself. You can't encourage one another by yourself. You can't do good to one another by yourself. You can't confess your sins to one another by yourself. You can't show hospitality to one another by yourself. You have to be involved in community. You miss a lot when you're not around. You miss opportunities to meet and obey Jesus by serving and loving and being a part of the life of another person and another group of people. I had a friend who was traveling a lot when his two older kids were little. And then they had another kid like several years later and he wasn't traveling anymore. And he says, man, I didn't realize, now seeing him growing up, I missed a lot of stuff. You you will miss things. You'll miss the opportunity to obey and follow Jesus in fullness if you're not connected to community. The second reason why Christian community is that it's a big deal when you're not around. It's a big deal when you're not around. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 31, talks about the church as a body. Now, I want you to think about your pinky toe. I don't know how often you think about your pinky toe. You probably only think about it when you're trimming your nails or when you stub it. And I want you to think about somebody taking a pair of scissors and just wonk. Right, I just—it makes you cringe just to think about it. Right now, I don't know about you. I don't care about my pinky toe that much. You know, if I, I feel like if I lost my pinky toe, that my life would probably be fine. But then I think. More specifically, what if somebody tried to cut off and or I stub my pinky toe and then I realize, "Oh, maybe my pinky toe matters more than I give it credit for." Well, some of you may feel like your presence in Christian community is like the pinky toe level of involvement and you think it doesn't matter if you're around or not, and the reality is that is a lie. It matters and it matters a lot. You are a critical piece. You are a critical member of the body. And it matters. And it hurts when you're not here. This week I was doing a puzzle with Olivia, our three-year-old. And it was a 28-piece puzzle. It was like fairly big pieces. It's like, a, like for littler kids. And we're doing the puzzle, and she's learning how to put it all together. And we couldn't find one of the pieces. And, uh, and we're looking all over, and we couldn't find it you would think 28 pieces and we're only missing one, like that's not that big a deal. That's only like, I did the math, 7% of the puzzle. Like that's not a lot. Like if you got a 93 on a test, you're still like A, maybe A minus depending on the grading scale. It's like not that big a deal to be missing one out of 28 pieces. But I can tell you when that puzzle was on the floor and every piece but that one was gone, what was the first thing you noticed? That missing piece. It's just one out of 28, but when it's not there, it makes a huge difference. Some of you think, well, it doesn't matter if I show up to church today. It's not, no one's going to notice. It won't make a big difference. I tell you, it makes a huge difference. It's a temporary amputation when you're not around. It makes a huge difference, and it leaves a huge gap. Now, some, some, some folks, some of you, or many of you, you are serving faithfully you show up early, you serve. If you're really spiritual, you serve in kids. Like, that's like, like, okay. And by the way, I mean, I say this every week, my wife runs the kids ministry. So when she has enough volunteers, she's happy. And when she's happy, I'm happy. So please. And you think, well, if I'm serving, it makes a big deal if I'm not there. If I don't show up to do something I said I would do, it makes a big deal. But then you think, well, if I'm not serving or maybe you're not connected to serving yet, you think, well, it's okay if I'm not there. It doesn't really make that big of a difference. And that is simply not true. It makes a huge difference. You serve, even if you don't have a specific job description on a Sunday, because the Bible says we are supposed to minister and serve one another. You're supposed to encourage one another. You're supposed to consider one another. You're supposed to love one another, do good to one another, show hospitality to one another. You're supposed to care for one another and welcome one another. And you know what? We need you here to serve and to be served. You minister, you have a ministry. If you never do anything else, now I hope you will do more than that, but if all you did was come, you came, said hello, you were friendly, you showed love to people and you sat and you you greeted and you you got to know people and then you left, that is a ministry in itself. Now, should you move on and, and get involved in more deeper ways of serving? Yes, absolutely, but there is a ministry of presence that is critical and it matters when you're not here. You minister to us by being here, and hopefully we minister to you as well. You serve us just by being here, and hopefully we serve you as well. All right, let's talk about the how of Christian community and some next steps. How do you connect to Christian community? We're going to go back to the book of Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Hebrews is almost to the very back of the Bible. It's like five, back from, uh, five or six back from Revelation. Chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. It says, Let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other all the more as the day approaches. At some point, being inconsistent in community, being an inconsistent church attender, not being willing to get involved in a group or a Bible study, at some point, it's simply a bad habit that you have to break. We all have bad habits, right? My wife can list them all for you. All my ba- I, have very ma- I have a ton of bad habits, and you know what? None of them make my life better. None of them do. Some of them make it a little bit worse, mostly because my wife tells me to stop, and then I don't stop, and then it's this cycle of stop, don't stop. Now. But some of them really have an impact on my life in a negative way. And you have bad habits as well. And some of you, one of your bad habits might be inconsistency and neglect of Christian community. The word there for neglect is actually the word for forsake or abandon, to, to totally abandon someone, to totally abandon something. This, this is what it's saying, the bad habit of abandoning those who you're supposed to be committed to and who are supposed to be committed to you. Here's a way to think about it. I don't know if you, you have your, your phone, and I, for me, I try to charge my phone at night, so the next day, my phone is pretty much good all day long. Some nights, though, I forget to charge my phone, and my phone is like 8% when I wake up. And I can tell you, it is a, those are the most stressful days because you're always worried your phone's gonna die. You're always trying to charge it up a little bit more and you never have that peace of mind that comes when your battery is fully charged. Being inconsistent in Christian community is a lot like that. It's a lot like constantly trying to catch up, constantly trying to reconnect and you never feel like you can. And part of it is just because you gotta be consistent and break the bad habit of neglecting gathering together. So that's the, the one side. Show up. Show up. That's If you just show up, half of the battle is there. Just show up. The second thing though he says, so don't neglect to gather 1025 as some do, but on the other side, encourage one another. That is lean in. Lean into community. The first step is to break the ha- bad habit of neglecting and, and just show up. The second ha- step is If you have a bad habit, you have to start a new habit to replace it. So show up and lean in. Encourage one another. Initiate conversations. Now, I know some of you are introverts. I'm an introvert. I I would probably pick being by myself versus being with another person in in a sort of all things being equal scenario. But you know what? It's sinful for me to do that all the time. I know you may need to recharge or whatever, but the reality is you can recharge all week. This is your time to pretend like you're an extrovert. Initiate a conversation. Say hello to somebody. One person you don't know and say hello. One person you do know. How was your week? How are you doing? And the thing is you do that consistently. You lean in. Take that card and say, yes, I will connect to community. I will take that next step. I will take a risk. I will do that. I will believe that it matters when I am present. After Hurricane Wilma came through South Florida, um, there was a a disaster relief um, set up at my wife's parents' church in Pompano. And um, she wasn't there. We were both living in Kentucky at the time in, in grad school, and so she wasn't there, but her parents and her brother were there. And one day during this disaster relief effort, the governor of Florida and the president came. And her brother and I think her dad, I don't remember if her mom was there or not, got to meet the governor and the president. Now, I don't know, I don't care about your politics. That's cool. It's cool to meet the president. I don't care if you think his policies are awesome or if policy, his policies stink. Meeting the president is cool. And she missed it because she wasn't there. When you're not here, you don't know what you might miss. You don't know who might show up. You don't know what Jesus might do. You don't know who in that gathering and in that community, in the the larger church gathering or in that small group community, you don't know who might need what you have to offer and you're robbing them by not being there. You don't know what someone else might have to offer you and you're robbing them of the opportunity to minister that to you by not being there. And you're also robbing yourself. When you're not here, you're missed and you also don't know what you might be missing. Jesus is here, and so are we. So let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for bringing us um, together. And Lord, I just pray that you would use... um, this message and, and really the text of your word that, that calls us to community, um, to, lean, to show up and to lean in. Lord, I just pray that you would cultivate a, a, a culture of authentic community in Cross United Church, that we'd be able to, to start new groups and Bible studies for those who need to get connected and that we would show up and we would lean in, that we would break the rule of the average churchgoer shows up one or two times a month but we would, we would be an exception to that because that we know that it matters when we're here because you're here and others are here and, and we matter when we're here. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would use this, this time to really just p- put that into the hearts of your people so that we can become more like Jesus and know you love us and that we are called to love one another. In Jesus' name I pray.